Hi there, Chris here. I own, write, narrate, and produce The Tall Guy with the Short Stories. It's a big job, but it's a labor of love. I have a passion for reading and writing, and with a voice like this, how could I not narrate as well? I also produce the show because I enjoy listening to new, fresh podcasts every week, and I know you do too. So, I'd like to say thank you for joining me on the Tall Guy with the Short Stories podcast. All episodes go together with each other, and I'd hate to have any part of the story spoiled for you, so if you missed the last episode, or any of the episodes, I'd like to invite you to go back and check out all the episodes I've released. You can find them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. If you're up to date with all the episodes, (laughs) buckle up, because here we go, a brand new episode of Thomas Tales on the Tall Guy with the Short Stories podcast. The wagon rumbled along the road, Smith's able hands guiding the pair of horses that pulled the cart. After a few minutes of riding, both Z and Thomas began to walk beside the party. This journey had awoken something in the two, After an hour or two, they had begun to wander farther from the cart, the better to scout ahead, also to look for fresh water where they could refill their stores, game trails to replenish their rations. Although they both realized this would become more important later in the trip, as opposed to the first few hours of it, the two were filled with an excitement for this trek, and it overflowed their hearts and minds. Will and Brand stayed in the wagon with Smith, conversing with each other. They were both giving each other ideas to be excited about, instead of focusing on their utter lack of knowledge about what the future would hold. Smith listened to them speaking and smiled to himself. These two were strengthening the bond they shared as brothers, and the trip would help to solidify their need for each other. When they reached Inger's Hall, they would soon find other matters to occupy their attentions, and the banter they shared now would make it more likely that they would not soon drift apart amid the bustle of the bigger city. They needed each other more than they knew, and the burly crafter was glad they were strengthening their relationship now, before their individual tastes began to pull them apart in different directions. Smith was also keeping an eye on the two outside the wagon. While they were close to town, danger would be few and far between, but it was still there, Later, he would let them know that staying closer to the wagon would be a better idea, but he was glad they had found some joy in this journey. And together, no less. It was obvious, even at their relatively tender ages, the two would be a duo not easily separated. As he watched them, he saw that they were beginning to move together, not as one unit, but with one mind. Thomas keeping an eye on the horizon when Z found something that she intended to study closer and vice versa. The trip continued in much the same fashion as it had started, and when dusk began to descend on the road, Smith pulled the wagon off to one side, maybe twenty-five paces off the road proper. The Smith had asked the brothers to help him with unhitching the horses and grooming them, tethering them, and feeding and watering them. The two young men were eager to help and learned quickly. Before long, they were finishing the task without the help of Smith. 
So he looked around to find Tom and Z. Tom had seen Smith looking for him and waved at the large man. He began making his way toward the camp and beckoned wordlessly for Z to follow him. When they had arrived, Smith waved a hand to the other side of the road where a wooded area stood. See if you two can find some game over yonder. We've got enough food for certain, but fresh is always best, eh? The two smiled at their task and hopped too with vigor. Z had strung her bow and knocked an arrow. Thomas had gotten his slingshot ready for action, with a pebble about the size of a marble waiting patiently in between the leather strips. And into the forest they went, silently moving amongst the trees. It seemed cooler here, under the foliage. They scanned the forest as they went, looking for smaller game, be it rabbits or squirrels. They looked for a source of water where they might catch a few fish. Z remembered to look up above them as well as they walked. This was a habit Thomas would soon teach himself, but hadn't yet. As they moved deeper into the woods, the fading light dimmed as they hiked. They soon walked very quietly together, looking all around. They could hear neither birdsong nor the incessant scampering of small forest life, such as rodents, squirrels, or even deer. It troubled Thomas. He turned his head to ask Z about this lack of sound, but he found her looking intently at him. With one finger held up to her lips, she silently bade him to remain quiet. His eyes questioned her desire for stealth, but he did not make a sound. Such was the intensity of her gaze. Z lightly tugged at Thomas's sleeve, and they made their way into a small thicket, one that would enshroud them entirely from any prying eyes. Z moved her head so close to Thomas that he was sure she was going to kiss him again, and his heart began to quicken. But instead of a kiss, Z began to whisper in his ear, replacing the S sounds with the TH sound, the better to mask their whispered conversation. This is not right, Thomas, she whispered. A wood this thigh ought to have a wealth of life. I feel something is very wrong. She pulled her head away and looked pointedly into this young smith's eyes. He nestled his head closer to her ear so as to answer, but was lost for a moment in the energy of her. The closeness of this young woman nearly overwhelmed his senses, and for a moment he lost the words he had been about to speak. Finally, dragging his awareness back under his control, he managed to whisper back to her, in the same way she had whispered to him. Shall we search for the reason? And he reluctantly pulled his head away from hers to await her answer. Z nodded once and began to emerge from the thicket, Thomas close behind her. They silently stalked through the gathering gloom in the wood. As dusk was falling, the light was fading quickly under the trees. Their eyes were adjusting to the lack of light, and Z made no sound as she led Tom deeper into the wood. A breeze blew through the forest, covering the slight sounds Thomas made. He was not yet as adept at moving as silently as Z. However, his skill with stealthy movements seemed to strengthen with each passing step. As he pondered this, Z suddenly stopped her movement entirely. Thomas 
watching her intently, was not surprised by the lack of motion and smoothly came to a halt just beside her. And a moment later he saw the reason for her stoppage. They both looked out into the wood and saw the small yet unmistakable light coming from a torch. Worse yet, the torch seemed to be moving steadily in their direction. The two young folk cast their eyes about to search for a place where they could hide from whomever was traversing the trees and brush of the forest. Z tugged at Tom's sleeve again, and he followed her soundlessly to the stump of a truly massive tree. It seemed that the tree had been blown over some time ago, as the trunk was twisted about ten feet up. It hadn't been a clean break, and the rest of the tree trailed off brokenly to one side. Z led Thomas to the tree that laid haphazardly upon the ground. After the tree had fallen, it seemed to collect sprouts and bushes along its length, much of the tree beginning to rot into the undergrowth. They wormed their way into the underbrush, where they could still see the torchlight, but where they would have the best chance of remaining hidden. After situating themselves, they settled onto their haunches to wait for whoever or whatever was holding the torch to pass. As the silence stretched and the torch came nearer, they could hear a voice. Two voices, actually. One was deep and gruff, the other a lighter, more highly pitched tenor. Don't know why they've made us go hunting. We haven't seen any animals for three days. It's obvious we've hunted this place out. Listen, there isn't even any bird song," said the gruff voice. A moment later, a disgusted tone colored the higher voice's answer. With that belly of yours, you should be able to understand why we are hunting. Or hadn't you noticed how small our meals are becoming? Dolt. Thomas and Z sat very still. Both of them had the idea that it would be very bad to let these two see them. The gruff voice went on. Perhaps they sent me out here with you so I could rid the party of you, it replied threateningly. I could do away with you and feed the party at the same time. Watch your tone, rat. The softer, higher voice seemed smug as it answered. Hmm. More likely they intend me to kill you. You'd feed us for many more days than I would, you fat slob. And, by the way, if you ever grew the stones to try me, I hope you realize that I'd have no compunctions about ridding the group of your hunger and your stupidity. The two were passing very close to the hiding place of Tom and Z, so close that the two young folk could now see them clearly through the brush of their hiding spot. The gruff voice belonged to a very fat, very dirty man. It seemed that he ate with his hands mostly, because there were great greasy marks where he had wiped his hands all along his vast stomach, and the sides of his pants, which were frayed and roughly patched. He breathed heavily as he tromped through the brush and the darkening dusk. The smaller of the two was a thin man, wearing dark-colored hunting leathers that were kept in good repair. A bow was strung and held negligently in one hand, an arrow knocked and held steady as the smaller of the two seemed to ghost along beside the larger. The gruff, fat man grumbled in response to the thin one's rudeness but refrained from replying. The two were passing Z and Thomas now, and Thomas longed to return to Smith and let him know what they had seen. But abruptly, the thin one stopped and looked into the fat man's face. 
We've been out here for two hours, and we've found nothing. I'm going back. He turned to do just that. The fat man slowly turning and following, his face darkening, clearly displeased having to hurry somewhat to follow his companion. The two knaves made their way steadily back from where they'd come, and Thomas soon found Z tugging him gently out of the underbrush. We must let Smith know what we've seen, she told him, and they both set off, somewhat quicker than they had come, to relate this news to the big crafter. Another sponsor for this episode is Meech's Minis. If you go to Etsy.com and you search in that little search bar up top, Meech's Minis, M-E-A-C-H-S-M-I-N-I-S, one more time, M-E-A-C-H-S-M-I-N-I-S, you will find some work from a true genius. Not only can the man paint minis, he can also modify them. I mean, depending on what you want done. But don't take my word for it. Go on over to Meech's Minis on Etsy.com and take a look at some of the beautiful stuff he's made. Hey friends, Gritter here. On this podcast, I've made it a point to advertise for small businesses. To that end, I'm very excited to tell you about another product I've just been made aware of. Juniper and Willow Handmade Soaps, which you can find on Instagram at Juniper and Willow Boutique, all one word, is a small business out of Dallas, North Carolina. They heard about my podcast from Meech's Minis, and they asked if I might be able to advertise for them. I told them I'd love to, but would have to test the soap first. They graciously sent me a bar of soap entitled Zen, and the test shower was magical. A mystical aroma enshrouded me and calmed me as I bathed. Not only that, it cleansed me gently and completely. I felt clean and refreshed from the soap and the scent. You can also find them on Facebook at facebook.com backslash juniperandwillow, and you can order at their website at https colon backslash backslash juniper-and-willow.square.site backslash. You owe it to yourself to give them a try. A wonderful bathing experience thanks to Juniper and Willow and their Zen handmade soap. Don't forget to tell them that the tall guy sent you. They moved quickly through the gathering dark, back toward the smith and the brothers. Perhaps it was their trepidation at seeing the knaves within the wood, Perhaps it was because they had already traveled along this path on their way inside the wood, but either way, Tom and Z moved very quickly back to where Smith had stopped the wagon to make camp. They ran the last few paces and began speaking to Smith at the same time, Z with her quiet yet sure voice, and Thomas with his excitable, somewhat squeaky voice. The young man's voice was beginning to crack and squeak at odd times, and Thomas wondered why, but it wasn't important to the threat they believed they uncovered lurking in the wood, so he dismissed it from his thoughts. Smith bade them sit down and breathe for a few moments, as he added different spices to a pot he had hanging over the fire. Will and Brand had been helping him get dinner ready as the scouts returned from their mission. After a few moments, Smith asked for the story from them both, but separately. Mm. 
the big man intoned once they had finished reporting. That's not uncommon for thieves and brigands to hide in the woods, but I admit I didn't think we'd come to it so swiftly. They may not be a threat, you two, but we shall keep watch, just in case. Tom and Z began to speak simultaneously again, volunteering to take the first watch. But just then, Brandt came over. Having heard the report and the words of the smith, the two young folk ceased their speaking when they saw that Brandt wished to speak, and Brandt began thoughtfully. Smith, you've been driving the wagon all day. Tom and Z have been scouting. Will and I have done nothing but ride in the wagon. The eldest son of the baker nodded to his brother. The two of us would like to take first watch, to give you a lot of chance to rest up. Smith thought this through and nodded once. Good idea, Brand. You two can watch together. Then when you boys get tired, you can wake Tom and Z. They'll watch together till they need to wake me, and I'll be able to watch alone for the rest of the night. Night had fallen while they were speaking together. Smith filled five camp plates with a thick brown stew he had been preparing, as well as a piece of bread about as big as his fist, and some orange cheese to round their meals out. All four young folk chose a plate and began eating with hearty hunger. Smith seemed to wait before tucking into his plate, and after a moment he asked, Stew's not too bad, eh? The four young folk looked up at him, some with stew still in their mouths, and began praising the cooking skill of the smith. Well, it's good to know I haven't forgotten how to prepare a camp meal, replied the smith, with a certain amount of satisfaction on his face, and he began to dip the bread into the stew. They all ate until their plates were empty. Brand asked if he could have seconds, and the smith loaded his plate with another helping of stew. They finished their dinner quietly, and when they were all finished, Will began to collect the plates and wipe them down with his own bread which he had saved to make cleanup a bit easier. He then asked Smith if they had enough water to heat some for washing. Smith smiled broadly and answered that if Will would do the washing, they would certainly heat some of their water. As Will busied himself with cleaning, Tom and Z and Smith began to lie out with their bedrolls. Smith had brought five bedrolls with him, and the young folk hadn't brought any, so it worked out well. Tom and Z began to doze almost as soon as they lay down, but Smith watched the brothers for a time, and after he was sure Tom and the young woman were asleep, he rose silently and spoke to Brandon Will. Listen, you two, I know this is new for the both of you, and you might be nervous, but I don't want you to be afraid. Chances are we won't see a thing tonight. Just stay calm and keep your eyes peeled. The brothers nodded to him and Smith was pleased to see some of the tension go out of their shoulders. The big man went back to the wagon, where he was sleeping, and opened the wooden box he had brought his things in. He drew out a bow and bent the staves to string it. He removed a few arrows from the box and laid the whole of the items by his bedroll. Then he laid down and closed his eyes to rest. Brand and Will hadn't seen a thing for their watch, Neither did Tom or Z, but when Smith took his watch, something alerted him to danger, and he woke all four young folk with a shake and a finger to his lips. To Thomas, it seemed that he had only just closed his eyes when Smith began rousing the group, but he did his best to rub the sleep out of his eyes and look around the camp. 
Three torches were moving toward them from the wood that Z and Tom had investigated earlier, and the sounds of feet, heavily trotting the earth and bracken, came to them. Tom felt his heart begin to beat faster and more heavily. Z silently strung her bow and knocked an arrow. Brand recovered his cudgel from beside his bedroll, and Will began checking the pouches to be sure he would have the reagents for his spells prepared. They waited in a stony silence and could all feel fear begin to assault their minds. Smith quietly said, steady, to the group, and then strode forward, as bold as the brass he sometimes worked with to address whoever carried the three torches. Oi, you lot, he called. It's early for breakfast yet, but we wouldn't mind sharing what we brought. Come into the light so we can speak plainly. The torches ceased their movement, and after a moment of muttered conversation, the gruff voice called back. What have you got in the wagon? This is our trail, and we've come for our tax. Smith began backing slowly toward the group of young folk, and called back to the voice. We've only got a few days of trail rations, hardly worth mentioning. He then whispered to Z, Get behind the wagon, lass. Only loose an arrow if I give the word. Tom and Will, you stay with her. And only attack if someone attacks first, but stay there. Brandon. Here he put his hand on the big young man's shoulder and looked seriously into his eyes. I'll need you to watch my back. If they get close to us... His voice trailed off, but he reached out and took hold of the cudgel Brand was now hefting off of his shoulder. The gruff voice called again as the torches began moving closer to the fire. One man and three children? We think it's fair to ask for a piece of gold from each of you. That'll be the price of your safety this night. As the brigands moved closer, it became easier to see them, and indeed, there were three of them. The gruff voice was the fat man Z and Thomas had seen and overheard. There was also the thin man they had seen with him, and another man, neither thin nor fat, but comfortably in between, strode between the other two. Smith called back. There's no need for things to turn ugly. Go back from where you came. We'll be away before the first light. Don't test us, friends. We're not as weak as you might think. The three knaves continued advancing on Smith, and they did not answer him with words. Instead, a heavy arrow, loosed from the middle man, flashed from the darkness and thunked into the wood of the wagon behind Smith. It made an odd noise as it quivered into the heavy wooden plank of the wagon, and Smith growled as he put an arrow to the string and pulled it back to his cheek. He waited a moment, breathing steadily, and loosed the arrow without a word. Smith's arrow sank into the wooden shield of the fat man, and the three thieves laughed roughly. Then Smith spoke to the young folk over his shoulder, without taking his eyes from their attackers. Breathe, you lot, and pick your shots. Don't stop till they run, or they drop. He then drew another arrow and pulled it back to his cheek. Thomas began to whirl his slingshot over his head and breathed deeply as Smith had instructed. He aimed the best he could and released the stone, hoping his aim was true. A moment later, he heard and saw the man in the middle grunt with pain and stagger for a moment, taking a knee as the stone collided with his forehead. Z also breathed in deeply and pulled her arrow back to her cheek. She slowly, steadily released her held breath and loosed the arrow she had prepared. It flew through the dark and skewered the fat man's leg. He roared with pain and crashed to the ground, flailing. 
Smith loosed his second arrow and was rewarded with a sound not unlike a small log hitting a ripe pumpkin, and the man between the fat and the thin strayed to the ground, making piteous noises but coming no closer. The thin man began to rush the group and closed to within ten feet of Smith. The big crafter hadn't had a chance to draw another arrow back, but it turned out he needn't have worried. Brand stepped in front of the smith and whirled his cudgel over his head once, timing his attack. As soon as the thin man was within striking distance, his hand flicked at Brand, but the larger son of the baker had already begun his attack. The heavy wood slammed into the side of the thin man's head, and he unceremoniously dropped to the ground, unconscious. Smith sternly told the three young folk by the wagon to cease attacking and to stay where they were. He quickly checked the thin man and removed the blade from the thin man's sheath. He threw it over to the cooking fire and moved on to the man he had shot, checking his throat and moving on again to the fat man who had thrown away his shield and sword and lifted his hands, still whimpering. Smith unstrung the bow as he was approaching the fat man and took one end of the bow in two hands. He then swiftly swung the bow in a wide arc, ending at the fat man's head, and the would-be attacker's head sank, unconscious, to the ground. Smith double-checked to be sure all the weapons had been removed from the three thieves and returned to the wagon. "'Is everyone all right?' he asked, with a storm cloud on his face. Z and Thomas reported they were well, but Will began retching violently behind the wagon, disgusted with the abrupt brutality of the encounter. Smith began to make his way to the three behind the wagon, pausing briefly to slap Brand's shoulder as he said, Good work, Brand. But no sooner had he delivered the compliment than Brand collapsed to the ground, teeth clenched over a scream, and in the dim firelight Thomas saw a flash of steel protruding from the large boy's arm. Brand was wounded. Ooh-wee! A little excitement at the end of that episode. But unfortunately, we are at the end of that episode. Thank you so much for stopping in to listen to Thomas Tales on the Tall Guy with the Short Stories podcast. Stop in next week, and we'll continue the story. Thanks again, folks. Have a great day.